Good morning. I'm so glad to have Brant home today, and he um, was willing to sing and play with me. Today's scripture reading comes from Job 19, verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the later day upon the earth. Good morning, church. It's uh, very nostalgic for me to be here. This is home to me. Um, We raised our family here, and a lot of you are familiar faces, and you feel like family to me, so it's always good to come home. Amen? Amen. Thankful for some Kleenex here. (laughs) 
I want to talk to you today about a Job moment. The difference between stepping stones and stumbling blocks are how we choose to use them. And what I have learned in recent years is that obstacles don't block paths. As a matter of fact, they are often the path. And uh, in Job, we find a technique of Hebrew poetry is to present two things, people, scenarios, speeches, and compare or contrast them to bring across a certain truth. And we see this used in the book of Job. There are also many players and actors who play key roles in bringing across the truths in this book to us. There was a man in the land of Uts whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. Job 1.1. Here we have Job, a believer, someone who God has pronounced righteous by the blood of his son, and Job speaks of a believer who is going through difficulties, someone who is a child of God, yet things aren't going the way that some people might predict. There are many teachings today that tell you if bad things are happening in your life, then maybe it's something you did that was wrong. But that's not why Job suffered. In fact, God himself said this about Job, that there is none like him on the earth. Blameless and upright, one who fears God and shuns evil, Job 1.8. But even though Job was blameless and upright, he still had a little root of self-righteousness in him that needed to be revealed. Today there are believers who also have this sense of self-righteousness that needs to be addressed, dealt with. These are people who are always maybe blaming others. They'll say, it's my parents' fault, a relative's fault, an event's fault, someone else's fault but mine. The root cause of Job's suffering with his self-righteousness, Job did not have to learn something at that time, and God allowed him to go through this to learn what he needed to learn. God allowed a certain level of disruption in Job's life to bring out that self-righteousness and deal with that. And even though God used Job's sufferings to deal with Job's self-righteousness, the devil was the one behind them. He made Job lose all his possessions and even his children. Job lost everything he had except the one thing that mattered. See, Satan attacked his health. He struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, Job 2.7. But notice that sickness is from the feet to the head, but healing is a top-down. Healing is from the head to the feet. Sickness is from below, and healing is from above, because God is in the business of healing And the devil was behind Job's sufferings. It was not God. Today, the devil will try to confuse the disasters he brings to make you be upset, to throw you off your foothold, maybe even believe that you're being punished. But we need to look at our trials with the right perspective and see that God is really after. What is he after? He's Because after his friends accuse him of deserving the suffering he's going through, Job gives his defense in chapter 29. In this one chapter, Job speaks of himself more than 40 times. I was eyes to the blind, I was feet to the lame. Job 29.15 While Job mentions himself over 40 times, he mentions God only five. 
When another friend, Eliu, spoke, Job didn't argue with him, even though he argued with the rest of his friends. See, Job couldn't argue with what Eliu was saying. The people who are suffering, who have physical conditions in the body, the devil will come to you and tell you that it might be because of your sin or something you're not doing. And if it's not your sin, then it's something in your past. He does anything to make you feel unworthy. We don't find Paul or Peter preaching on this curse because Christ has redeemed us from it. This kind of teaching is to be helpful to us. That if you are sick, know this. It is not God's will. God wants you to be well. At the end of Job's story, he was healed of his boils. He became healthy. He lived a long life. After Eliuenz's speech, God speaks to Job. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding who determined its measurements. Surely you know. Job 38, 1 to 5. When God asks a question, it is to reveal an answer to the recipient of the question because God already has the answer to the question he asks. God's, God's argument is not based on Job. It is based on the grandeur of his creation. Who can be like me? His wisdom is perfect. His compassions never fail. God asked Job, Would you condemn me that you may be justified? Job 48. There are people who have read the words and would rather say that they could be condemned for their wrongdoing. They might even condemn something in there instead of looking inward at themselves. But the Bible will outlast all of us. Long after we're gone, God's word will stand. God tells Job about two creatures, the Leviathan and the Behemoth, and these are both old and powerful beings, and they represent the devil. And God is saying, Job, the devil's been around for a long time. You are no match for him. But know this, that that Leviathan is no match for me. See, Satan loses to God at every turn. Satan loses to God at every turn. When he went against Adam and Eve and instigated the fall of man, along with the curse that came with that, came a promise that the Messiah would come and announce his doom. When he tried to sift Peter like wheat so that all the disciples' faith would fall, Peter's failure ended up being a story of grace that strengthened them. And when Satan tried to put an end to the Son of God on the cross, the cross became the very instrument to save us. The divine blood that was shed cleansed us from our sins. See, Satan always loses. Even in the story of Job, when Satan attacks him, he meets with God. He thinks he's dealing with a weak and fallible saint, but he's dealing with a warrior of the faith and the Almighty God. God will always show up in your trial, amen? Unbelief is having a high opinion of yourself and a low opinion of what God can do. If you want to be blessed beyond your wildest dreams, learn to agree with the truth in the word. 
God says, in your flesh dwells no good thing. Romans 7.18. Agree with it. Then you won't be surprised when you have a bad thought. But you also don't need to respond with, how can I have such thoughts? Because you have a Savior. He's there to help you through every toil and every fire. That's why God wants us to come before him. If we stand before him, we are saved. When God justifies you, nothing and no one can condemn you. Receive double restoration for all that you formerly thought is lost. After Job hears God, he answers, I know that you can do everything, and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. You said, I will question you and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job nineteen twenty five to 27 has been one of the many crutches I have used in the last two years. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another, and how my heart yearns within me. Some of you know uh, that the love of my life lay in bed in an emergency room to my right in October of 2018. And like many nights prior, but this moment, this Job moment would be different. The cancer progressed, and John's pain was beyond bearable. He needed medical intervention, so the doctor said he was going to call for the ambulance to take him to Wausau under the care of his oncologist at the time. But I, for the first time, could not go with my husband. For to the left of us lay our daughter Maria. She recently was diagnosed with frontal lobe epilepsy after living 21 years without so much as a cold. And she kept having multiple seizures that night, needing medical intervention. And I could not be in the room next to her either. See, just one month prior, I had surgery on the back of my skull because my brainstem was descending out of my skull and pressing on my nerves. I was in the middle of two loves of my life, unable to help either one. I was sitting on a walker because through the surgery... I was not able to walk on my own. So there I was in the middle of not one but two emergency rooms at one time with migraines off the charts, physical pain raging through my body, and nurses asking if I needed a third room for our family. If ever there was a moment to question what God was doing or allowing to happen at that time or yell at him, that was it. But in the book of Job, we find a man responding to Job moments with great faith. His story leaves us with a question. How will we respond when our very lives cave inward? Will we choose faith? See, I could have easily chosen what many people choose, and it happens. Some sort of instant gratification, I suppose, 
for the devil has made it easy to get our hands on those instant relief options. Television, drugs and alcohol, food, things we shouldn't be in. And I am blessed to be able to say that I chose prayer in that Job moment in the emergency room. I am blessed because he gave it to me before I got there. I chose prayer knowing that making the choice of faith does not mean that the battle with suffering is over. Sometimes the biggest battle comes after the biggest storms have passed. I'm going to highlight some key points that I have learned that I hope speak to you. This is a testimony of sharing. Um, I hope that it draws you to the person who can save you and that you don't see me up here at all. See, prayer inspires our convictions to match our destiny. Point number one, choosing faith in the midst of our suffering will not eliminate pain all the time. Job, crushed by his pain of suffering, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground when he heard his children had passed. And yet, in the midst of pain and heartache, his faith is spoken across his lips. Job 1, 20-22. Yet he praised God. His physical ailments were so painful he used broken pottery for homemade surgery. Job 2, 7. His own wife, laden with pain herself, shows us that her faith is being tested. As she tells him in Job 2, 9, curse him and die. See, earlier, if you remember, the devil had told God that Job would curse him, remember? And those same exact words came across the lips of somebody next to him. I will tell you that Job moments that hit the hardest in biblical times, and even now, can come across the lips of people that are close to us. And it kind of puts us off guard sometimes because for some reason we think if they're close to us, they couldn't possibly say things like that. But the devil whispered a ton of uncertainty to Job's wife, and it affected what she saw. Can she bear to see her husband suffer another second? Even then, we need to be like Job and remind ourselves how we are feeling in any given moment of unrest, uncertainty, or fatigue. God is still God, and I believe God's plan for us can't be known to any man or woman, as the Bible is clear in multiple verses. That's why we need faith. So I choose daily to step out of the bed, kind of like out of the boat, in faith, and I trust him for the result without questioning every little nuance of what happens today, the next. The Christian message in my heart is love people who aren't ready to love you back. Jesus did. Don't hide it under a bushel. Sometimes you have to love people who aren't yet prepared to love you back. Jesus doesn't take back his love and care, and I'm so thankful to him for that. If I want to be like him in this life as much as possible, then how can I allow myself any take-backs? I must love everybody the same. See, he didn't wait for us to be fixed before he put his only son to die on the cross for us. He loved us. 
Do you believe that the God of love can bring you love and sustain it? Job again states in Job 2.10, Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Grief is real. The pain of somebody passing out of this life into the rest is very painful to watch. But from great pain, great beauty can emerge. Point number two is choosing faith in the midst of suffering will not stop the questions you may have about why the suffering is happening. Job is in Job 2, chapters of great faith are followed by 35 chapters of great questions. Job, like Jeremiah, who couldn't preach without weeping and questioning how this despair could happen. David wrestles with questions for years, hiding from Saul and wondering if he'd even lived to see the rain. Psalm 13 starts with David asking, How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Paul wastes two years in prison and learned the Holy Spirit would take over his desperate prayers when he ran out of painful words. If you look in Romans 8, verses 26 to 27. Romans 8, verses 26 to 27. In the same way the Spirit helps us in weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit intercedes for us, and he who searched our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for saints in accordance with God's will. Questions about suffering even reach the mouth of Jesus before the crucifixion. Luke 22, verses 42 to 46, with agony so deep, sweat was as if it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. What doesn't challenge you enough will not change you enough. But God doesn't give us what we can handle as much as he helps us handle what we're given. Choosing faith in the midst of suffering will not create a logical reason for our suffering in that moment. Job's story of suffering with God standing by might not make sense to someone who doesn't have faith. The more natural hope and expectation is, like the first paragraph of Job, every new baby has a good family, a good childhood, a good education, a good job, a good home, and a sunset on a great life. And if you watch TV, many people buy into the expectation. But our human expectation of life can sometimes collide with reality of suffering of this current life. And tests can come well-armed with grief, hardship, misfortune, illness, crisis, tragedy, tests of your faith. And a test of faith pays no mind to age, pays no mind to gender, nationality, bank account balances, personalities, what you have done or what you have not done. If it doesn't challenge you enough, it won't change you enough. But he does not give us what we can't handle as much as he helps us handle what we are given. Choosing faith in the midst of suffering looks like insanity to a non-believer. 
but God in the life of Job worked his triumph through what appears to many as a loss? Well, Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to, who, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Job's choice, Job's choice of faith shows what faith will do for us. If we make the choice of faith in the midst of our suffering, and it looks similar to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who had no idea how they would walk through the fire exactly, only that they knew, that they knew, that they knew in their heart that they would somehow have the faith to lead them into that fire. And who did they meet there? Prayer inspires our convictions to match our destiny. So point number three, choosing faith in the midst of suffering may not conclude with a logical reason for our suffering in the midst of the suffering. That concludes three points about faith in the midst of suffering will not do. But I'm going to tell you now a different flip on it. We are not determined by our first step in failure nearly as much as our choice to keep walking in faith while trusting in our Savior. See, long before Peter stepped out of that boat, he made the decision to walk on the word. Wherefore didst thou doubt? Choosing faith will remind us that God is still in control. He was not tricked by Satan in his conversation about Job. God weighed options and ramifications of Job's story, and my husband John's story, and my daughter Maria's story, and my story, and your story. At no time has he ever not been in control. Though suffering doesn't make sense when we're in the midst of it, we place our lives in his hands, who is the only one to take care of us in this life and the next. And that is the only logical action you can take. We are not determined by our first step in failure as much as our choice to keep walking in faith. Choosing faith in the midst of suffering will remind us God is still in control. See, Job knew that each new day was never defined by the previous night's sunset. He gave each new event to God. We must learn to trust and obey while giving it all to him. Here's a quote by Maya Angelou that says, It's such a wonderful day. I haven't seen this one before. What if you woke up with that mindset every day, no matter what happened the night before? See, we can wake up each day doubting life, wondering why we're here, I wasn't prepared for plan B. I thought I was on plan A. Or you can wake up faithful, challenge yourself to make here better for us and others. It takes tremendous faith to sing songs on bad days sometimes because the words seem to get stuck. And that is a precious gift of worship, unlike any gift you give on a, on a good day. 
My husband, John, knew that he didn't have long to live on this earth. He went to his place of employment, and they were having a talent show. He hardly had the energy to stand up longer than an hour at a time. And he told me, at least I have to do this. And he went to Century, and he asked him if he could sing a Christian song at the talent show, even though in the professional realm, listening to Christian music was not usually allowed. But John knew and believed in his heart that nothing about our present circumstance, good or bad, has changed the first thing about the nature of God. I'm going to say that again. John knew and believed in his heart that nothing about his present circumstance, good or bad, would change the first thing about the nature of God. He's the same today as he was yesterday, as he will be tomorrow. Worthy, oh so worthy of our prayers and praise. Job 19.25, Job hangs on to the one truth, and so did my husband John in that moment of asking if he could sing it as well at the talent show. For I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth, knowing that we must help one another, understanding just how bad Job had it when he said those words. That's what makes the words memorable. Understanding in that moment when my husband John, with barely a month left of his life here, went to the staff and said, I want to sing it as well with my soul. That was the gift that changed their mind to let him sing that song. Long before writing the words, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, Paul lived those words, Philippians 4.4. On their first visit to Philippi, Paul and Silas are wrongly accused, beaten severely, thrown into the stocks, and yet what were they doing at midnight? Acts 16.25-33, they were singing the songs of praise to the same God and a jailer ends up giving his life to God who let them go through a Job moment during that song service at midnight an earthquake comes and we know with enough power to free them but not kill them. Perhaps your Job moment is sent here to shake things up with enough power to free you from what you've been shackled with. And perhaps in this life our lives may not last as long as we would hope but not forever. So one day of suffering to those two faith-driven men, reacting to the suffering with praise, singing him at midnight, it created a church that helped change the world, a precious gift that was offered to God in the midst of suffering. Choosing faith in the midst of suffering will be a rare gift to God. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. In verse 16, Peter confessed his faith that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, and Jesus shows them what Messiahship is and what discipleship entails. See, prior to chapter 16, he spent much of his time addressing the crowds. There were miracles that were worked. With the exception of 16, verses 1 to 4, Jesus takes that time 
and instructs the disciples, preparing them for Jerusalem and his cross. Then in 19, verse 1, he goes, he leaves Galilee and Galilee and goes to Judea to Jerusalem to his death. Peter has just identified Jesus as Messiah, and Jesus blessed him for his confession of faith. However, he told the disciples not to tell anyone because they do not yet understand what Messiahship means. What does that mean? They do not yet understand. There are things I've gone through that you go through that we do not understand all the time. I had a Job moment in that emergency room in Stevens Point. The devil in due diligence would try to have us look left and right. He put my daughter on the left. He put my husband on the right. He would even have you look inward. And he made sure in my Job moment that I couldn't rely on myself. And then he thought I would look downward. But where does our help come from? Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And indeed, he watches over Israel with neither slumber nor sleep. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, the devil would have you try to remember something that you can't put your hands on because he doesn't want you to think about that the gift was given in the first place. Remember David? He became more than a king. He became the most beloved songwriter in a season of faith, and most of his psalms come straight out of seasons of suffering. The disciples all knew suffering and found a life-altering resurrection at the end of the worst weekend of their lives. In the emergency room, I know that the Holy Spirit was with me because I had no words to say. What could I have said? And then these words came out of my mouth. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every situation, our hope is built on nothing less. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within that veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, and all other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, for dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. I shall stand on the rock of ages. 
Psalm 86, 12 to 13, David's faith was firmly rooted. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Imagine Mary at the foot of the cross when grace and suffering met, laying all her burdens down. What more does he have to give us for him to give it all back to? For us? What more does he have to give us for us to give him all of us back? I have a reminder for the moments in our life where maybe life is trying to rob us of the truth that Job learned. See, faith sees the invisible. It believes the unbelievable, and it then receives the impossible. okay we know the story it's okay so want to to remind you what he does after the storm is settled by his own words of peace be still what does he do in the moments after what does he ask them about their faith why do you doubt And then he lays back down and rests. In Job moments, he draws us aside, and we are blessed. A friend of mine shared this poem with me when I was going through a rough patch. See, when you're going through a rough patch... God brings people into your life that you didn't even meet before. And he said, when I was young and strong, you see, you don't know this about me, but I wasn't always in this chair. When I was young and strong, I was an engineer, and I had been married for just 13 months. And I had a few different Bibles in my house, but I never truly read them. I didn't have a relationship with God And I decided I was going on a ski trip with my new wife, and I went down some easy slopes. I was a fairly good skier. And at the bottom of the slope, there's a small jump. And within seconds, I decided to take the jump and do a trick. The jump failed, and I fell. I became a quadriplegic in seconds. I would call that a Job moment. But today, after many years of lying in a hospital bed, After being ill, hospitalized, even coding twice, and being brought back to continue a great life with my two beautiful children 
and facing daily challenges, my relationship with God was nurtured. For while I was in that bed, I had enough time to read all of those Bibles. I had enough time to read many devotions, and I have a relationship with God like I have never had before. Here's the poem. I needed the quiet, so he drew me aside, into the shadows where we could confide, away from the bustle where all the day long I hurried and worried when active and strong. I needed the quiet, though at first I rebelled, but gently, so gently, my cross he upheld and whispered so sweetly of spiritual things, though weakened in body, my spirit took wings. To heights never dreamed of when active and gay, he loved me so greatly, he drew me away. I needed the quiet, no prison, my bed, but a beautiful valley of blessing instead, a place to go richer in Jesus to hide. I needed the quiet, so he drew me aside. Do you feel as if your quiet time is being drawn sometimes? You're not alone there either. Not by any means will we ever be alone. For a while I was so focused on being a good mother and a good wife and a good teacher and a good student, and I became so focused on the day-to-day. November 30th, 2018, my husband went to sleep. And everything got real quiet. I wasn't used to it at all. I felt alone at first, to be honest. You see, a huge lie was sold to me. He's crafty. And I, know, I now know when in the Garden of Eden when it says she was beguiled by the serpent. In a Job moment, we can be fooled into thinking something that isn't true. When I was working on this message and praying about it, my friend's daughter came into the room. She had seen me crying while turning the Bible pages, laughing. I wonder what a little 10-year-old girl thinks to see somebody laughing and crying and praying and laughing and crying and praying while reading the Bible. And she brought this message to me, and she said, Auntie, I have something for you. I think you should read it. Her note says... I love you, and so does God. He made this moment special for all of us. Selena. Be us ever mindful for this glory of those watching. If we believe the God on the mountain is the God in the valley, our faith will come alive at all times. We each write a gospel, a chapter a day, by deeds, looks, and likes, the things that we say. Our actions betray us, words faithful and true say, what is the gospel according to you? In closing, I know I have lived my life making many mistakes, being so preoccupied with an earthly agenda, trapped in a rut of moving from one task to another. How many waiting lines have we been in? I was caught between living and waiting to live, trying to get somewhere, Not sure where to go. And I thought all the joy was gone from me. After everything got quiet, I thought I even bought that I had had enough joy for 25 years that this is how it was going to be now. 
and I should be okay with it. I did say he is a very beguiling, very beguiling person when we are high on our emotions. But I trusted my faith some more. And I saw a video of my granddaughter dancing in a bathtub, giggling with bubbles all around. And I thought, I rush into the shower every morning and I head off to work. And I saw my granddaughter giggling at the simplest things in life, happy as can be. And I thought, how many things have I walked by and never even noticed? The joy we see in the happiest child is but a fraction of the joy that resides in the heart of God. As an exercise for a moment, just imagine, bear with me, how the opening sentences of Genesis might have been if he had the same approach to creating life as we did the way we look at some of our days some days. In the beginning, it was 5 a.m., and I had to go to work. I filled out the requisition paperwork to order a separation of light from darkness. I considered making stars to beautify the night and planets to fill the skies, but I thought it like too much work, and besides, um, it's not someone else could do it. So I decided to knock off early and call it a day. The next day I got up, went to work, and said, I guess i got to figure out how I'm going to separate the waters from the dry land without any help from anyone else around here and make all the dry land flat, plain, and functional. So the whole earth looked like, forgive me for this comment, Idaho. I thought about making mountains, valleys, rainforests, jungles, glaciers, ice caverns, rivers, streams, creeks, woods, rolling hills, but I decided with that much effort, it might just burn later, so um, I decided Idaho would be good enough for today. It'll have to do. Then I made a pigeon to fly in the air, and you know what that pigeon did on the ground several times. Then I made a carp to swim in the water. These colors were really boring, so why continue with fish? Then I made a cat, and I'll tell you that he he was creeping on the ground, and then he became a creep and knocked all my plans off the table. (laughs) I thought about making millions of other species of animals, but I couldn't drum up the enthusiasm more find the time because I had to pick up all the paperwork off the ground from Creep 1. Besides, it was almost time for dinner, and I had to rush and figure out what we were all going to eat, so then I had to get done with today, and I said, it'll have to do. And at the end of the week, I was so seriously burned out that I just took a big sigh of relief and said, thank me, it's Friday. See, Genesis looks nothing like that, does it? It pulsates with the breath of God, breathing life into every detail just for us. And it was so very good. It was very good. Moses didn't ask for the burning bush, but once it was there, he had to make a choice whether to turn aside and pay attention to the work of God. God provided the burning bush. God provided joy. At times, we must turn aside Take note of it. Like Job, turn aside all that is going on and pay attention to the work of God. 
there is an immense difference between training to do something and trying to do something. See, when the world got quiet around me in 2018, I kept saying, I'm trying. And people said, it's good enough. And I said, I'm trying. Didn't get a lot done today, but I'm trying. Spiritual transformation is not a matter of trying harder. It's a matter of training wisely. Paul encouraged Timothy to train yourself in godliness. In Job, the bad news kept coming without a break. And the scripture reads, while he was yet speaking, another message came. While he was yet speaking, another message of doom came. But then the scripture also says this word. T-H-E-N. Then. See, seconds after hearing a series of events that would cripple most upon hearing just one of the events, it says, then. Job worshipped. What is the worst possible news we could imagine hearing? Maybe some of us feel that we may have already heard it a few times. But what is your then moment? We have Job moments, but it's time for the then moments. The people that we have laid to rest, to rest until Jesus comes, would want us to push for every then moment we could find. If joy and all help comes from the Lord, the time for training our minds, mouths, hearts, and souls to seek it and find it is now. If someone asked Paul about his spiritual life, the first question would not be, how many scriptures do I have memorized but don't apply to my life? It would be, am I growing in love for God and people and bringing a life of joy, praise, and thankfulness in worship to God in all I say and do come what may? Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Then go after it and multiply it with all that you are, all that you say, all that you do. We are called to do nothing less than experience day by day what Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. My husband, John, he's no longer suffering as a slave to cancer, painful disease. My daughter, Maria, her seizures are controlled with medication, and she's doing great. She's getting married at the end of the month. But the great physician is the true healer. See, two years ago, I couldn't have walked up here on my own. I was in a walker, and I could barely stand. I was on so much medicine, I couldn't have lasted the length of this sermon, and I apologize if it went a little long. But God is here with us, and I don't apologize for sharing what I know that I know that I know that I know. Reading scripture and praying are important, not because they prove how spiritual we can be, but because God can use them to lead us into a life of joy no matter what has already happened. Make your then moment count. For you and those around you, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. If you're in the midst of suffering, we are in the midst of an incredible opportunity right now. For if you can worship right now,
the gift you give in the midst of your suffering is more valuable than it ever has been or will again. If you want to make the decision to take Jesus into your heart for the first time or right now, rededicate that promise you made to him in the past, but somehow it's been slipping. I ask that you would join me in singing the most, the song that really spoke to me on October. Do you remember what it was? Our closing song. My hope is built on nothing less.
just bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we ask to be reminded throughout the week of today's message that you are then our hope and stay. That you are then in our then moments. You are with us in the fire. You are with us in our joy. And Father, we ask for a special blessing as we leave to just help us to remember to walk closer with you than ever before. And that come come what may, our hope is built on nothing less than in your precious precious blood and righteousness we thank you father for all the many blessings that you give and we thank you that we have the opportunity to study your word ask for a special blessing as we go about our week in the name of your precious son jesus we thank you and we can never thank you enough amen